Wizards of Dribble podcast. A cream egg is filled with lots of goo. It's episode number 232. Happy Easter, everyone. That one, genuinely, I'd planned beforehand. So that's that tells you, doesn't it? That tells you the level of rhyming we're at today. Um, Yeah, happy Easter. Happy Easter to one and all. Welcome back to a podcast that hasn't been done in a few weeks. And a lot of stuff has happened. Stoke have played a few games, won some, lost some. There's been not much else really happening like let's be honest that's kind of it apart from people arguing on twitter but i'm sure we'll get into that joining me who's someone who's never been in a twitter argument it's tom thrower how are you oh that's a lie <laughs> sarcasm tom how, but how are you how are you doing this bank holiday monday evening it's been a much appreciated bank holiday. I've seen people and not just been trapped inside. It's been nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and Dave Callishaw, you are always arguing with people on Twitter, aren't you? Telling them that they're wrong for liking The Last Jedi or something. How are you? <laughs> Uh, you, you're you're confusing me with someone with bad opinions. I love the Last Jedi, as does every right-thinking person. Oh, here we go, here we go. This is the type of edgy content we started a podcast for, gentlemen. <sighs> I think I... Luke's character is just so much more well developed, and you you just can't argue. <laughs> <with you. laughs> it's really been an odd, odd couple of days because. Stoke have played, as we mentioned, two two games of the football. Um, two, yeah, thank you, Dave, for showing me that. Two uh, games of football. We played against, um, who was it the other day? I think it was a team that Neil Bristol Warnock City. managed. <laughs> Neil Warnock's Bristol, <laughs> Bristol Rovers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have, I have no idea what we've, what we've done anymore. Well, yes, we played away at Bristol City, coming away two nil winners there. And then today, uh, meeting up with old friend Gary Rowett, uh, but losing 2-1. Um, and it's funny because there was, I say a vain hope in before today's game of, isn't it funny, we've been pretty appalling all season, and actually, we still are in with a shout of the playoffs. No, that's done. That's done now. We can forget about it, please. Because, it, I don't know, it feels like, uh, these last two games you can just really see what Stoke is all about we are both alright and really bad um, it's what we've spoke about all season that's my analysis we are good and also really bad but uh, Tom I'll come to you is it just a case of we've had like two games in the last few days and people are tired and it's the championship and things are mad or, or is it deeper than that um, 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 I mean, maybe making some more subs would have helped. I felt like we could have made more subs after the when we were winning in the Bristol City game. But yeah, there's no hope of playoffs. It was a real lie. And these two games aren't the reason. Like losing to Millwall today isn't the reason we're not going to get into the playoffs. So. Mm. There's, there's nothing to worry about. There is something to worry about, and that was me being really endeared to John Obi McKell. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you saw him celebrating Stephen Fletcher's free kick against uh, Bristol City, but that is great. 
I, I mean, like he he it's clear that Fletch has been uh, angling up for a for a banger ever since the season started, and he started doing Rabona's onto the bar and all that jazz. God, that feels a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really does. The but, fact that Steve the, the, just there, the fact that you said you've made me realize Stephen Fletcher has only been with us this one season. This season has been the longest thing. It just feels like it's gone on forever a little bit. Like, yeah, you're right. He was completely, completely due a, a worldie. But no, so John Obi Mikel is, is your best mate now, yeah? I mean, he has looked really good um, to, to, to seamlessly transition into one of the major Twitter arguments of the weekend. He has looked better with Jordan Thompson than he did with Joe Allen. <laughs> I'm not meaning that in a Joe Allen's bad way. He is, but um, Mikel has looked looked a lot more composed in the midfield with Thompson as his little friend running around being there as opposed to uh, as he has it looked with, with Joe Allen. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm just laughing at the idea of him, Jordan Thompson, being his little friend, and that's how he's introduced at parties. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's hard to really care too much, isn't it, Dave, about the last the the run into the end of the season? But I mean, is there is there what what have you picked up on that you're happy with? If Tom's enjoying the Obi Mikel Thompson friendship and like Stephen Fletcher scoring a banger. What thing what things have you seen that you've been like, do you know what? Yeah, that's I can take some happiness away from that. Um, I think probably uh, Jacob Brown's recent performances have uh, led to quite a few people either eating their words or um, giving some reluctant credit where credit's due. I mean he's he's still very much uh, a raw uh, young player but he's he's Got got a goal today, which was nice, and just seemed that little bit more threatening. Seems to have seems to have a little bit extra spring in his step, which is uh, good to see. And uh, I think it was the Bristol game that gave us a stupid amount of clean sheets for the season, uh, which is obviously uh, very nice uh, and testament to the likes of Suter and uh, Chester and Bart and basically everyone who's who's played at the back this season has had a had a role in that. Um, we're a we're a bang average team. We we've pretty much got a near sort of symmetrical record this season. It, only uh, QPR are in that uh, beautiful zone of having won as many as they've lost, and they're they're in twelfth, one place below us. Um, so yeah, it yeah, like 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 we we're saying, like playoffs weren't really ever a, a going concern. And let's face it, even if we did fluke our way into the playoffs like can you imagine this team in the Premier League really um no uh please no not now um it, it was me it was mainly just something to give a little bit of extra interest in these final uh 10 or so games but you know th- this was always going to be one of those transitional building seasons and I think now we've got to the point of okay we're top half of the table We've we've done that thing. We've we've almost completed that phase of uh, relegation slash what the fuck are we doing down here, Stoke? And now we're into <laughs> solid, sensible, average Stoke. And that, now I think we're getting a little bit impatient of wanting actually quite good Stoke. And whilst we've had tiny little glimpses of actually quite good Stoke here and there, the point of being an average team is that that will often be balanced out by 
doing stupid shit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. Average team in need of uh, another window or two or three or four or five to uh, <laughs> to make us that bit more exciting going forward. Um, yeah, that's Stoke. Boring as shit. <laughs> I don't. I think you're completely correct in that. Like, I think people have written this season off, and rightly so. I think the thing that worries me is that people think that okay, but next season, next season things will will be uh, mo- will just be massively improved. And I think when you when you allude to the idea there that it's going to take a few windows to change things around. We have a lot of players who we aren't realistically going to be able to shift. Not in in transfer terms. Maybe they'll go out on loan, that type of thing. But it's there's still a lot of wages that we're that are taken up that are being that, that that can't be reinvested elsewhere. It's it's a difficult period financially. I mean, you know, we may be owned by very 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 rich people, and Tom, don't worry, we'll go on to that. I'm sure. Um, but. The, the the pandemic, no doubt, as whilst we are in a relatively secure position, it's hit everyone financially. We, we're not going to be able to make the same transfer outlays, albeit we haven't really done that under O'Neill. We've been relatively restrained. Um, so yeah, it is gonna it is gonna take a, a bit of time. My my worry, as I say, is that I don't know if fans will are patient are patient to to. I mean, you've already seen this season when things have been a little bit drab, like criticisms, rightly so, levelled at O'Neill, especially in terms of like being a bit negative in tactics. I just wonder, like, how long realistically people will wait for a project to to tick over. I don't know. I don't know. I guess a lot of it comes down to where the fans are in the ground, and that was actually a question that was uh, that was thrown at us. Um, and I can't remember who it was by. Uh, but the question was, do we think this season would have been better or worse positionally and results-wise if Stoke um, had played in front of full houses? And what do you think? Oh, considerably worse. We, we would have we'd been much worse. And, and I don't really mean this to disparage the fans, but Stoke, we've been served up so much shit in, in, in real life for like half a decade now that our... Not our demands are high, but just our ability to see a situation and not immediately think the worst of it uh, is just entirely <laughs> diminished. And I'm thinking back to things like the run post Campbell injury that sort of we only really got out of the the the, the fog of that a month ago. I, I think we'd have been decimated by something like that. And I think when you look at a lot of the younger players in the team who. Um, like the Jacob Browns who've needed a run of games and a bit of a building of confidence and now maybe we're at the end of him having that and he's starting to show what, what he's about a bit more. I just think because of, of the negative mindset that we have and that's not in a bad way, just that is that is factually where we are as a fan base. Things are shit, they have been shit, they don't look like they're going to get better. Um, would have would have plagued all of the building that O'Neill's done and put made it harder maybe they would have overcome it and maybe they'd have been better for overcoming it quicker but yeah I'm, i i have no feeling that the fans would have made this season better <laughs> I, i'm not to be negative but i do completely agree agree with you i think that 
Um, it's the heat of the heat of emotions of a football game. I think that there would be. Yeah, I don't think the younger players would have been protected as they have been. I don't think um, some of the results that have been really poor would have been. I don't know. Yeah, and even, and even when you think of the potential, you know, benefits of having fans in, like perhaps like potentially giving the encouragement to give them an extra 10-5% in matches that could change result from a loss to a draw or a draw to a win. You could label that at all the clubs in this league. All the clubs yeah. in this league, I think their managers would probably argue, apart from perhaps Norwich, that you know, that could have <laughs> that could that difference could have been made for all their teams as well. So we're we we're obviously not in a unique situation at Stoke. Um I, I completely accept what Tom's saying and like certainly the experience of the last two seasons has been that we have been kind of locked in this cycle of negativity and especially especially having had those like glimmers of optimism just before lockdown as well. Like, you know, those kind of hallmark early results under O'Neill, like uh your Barnsley, Huddersfield, West Brom kind of games. And Forest as well. Um sort of uh, after lockdown having had that kind of excitement generated and then for this season to be progress yes but not in a kind of super exciting bells and whistles kind of way just kind of steady progress for progress's sake then that's that's harder for people to jump up and down and get excited by it's like you know we we might have you know uh gone mad for a 2-0 away win at Bristol City but but like um, you know I can easily see the crowd turning in a game like today for example where we kind of let the game uh, get away from us but but you know turning around to the bloke who's effing Jeff and saying actually we've got the highest amount of clean sheets we've had for several seasons <laughs> in, uh, it, and, actually, and actually if you look at it we're actually creating more chances per 90 than we did at this time three months ago you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's not really th- th- those those moments in the crowd aren't really built for kind of long-term analysis are they they're, they're about no. the heat of, heat of the battle moments and we and we haven't had because of the nature of the season we haven't had those those real clutch games or the or the real kind of um or and thanks to O'Neill's tactics as well, we haven't had those kind of barnstorming games. Like, how long ago does the Huddersfield 4-3 seem? The, you know, the game at our mm. place, was that the last genuinely exciting thing to happen at the Bet365? <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to fans being back, uh, but only when we win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. It's... Yeah, what what fun what fun it has been. Is there anything else? I, I mean, I know we're a football podcast and we should really talk about the football and the games that happened, but is there anything coming from these get last games that really have caught your attention you want to rattle on about or Nick, is there any other subject matter? Nick Powell being the first player to reach 12 league goals in a season since mm. Lawrence and Fuller in the promotion season. Uh, yeah, that is there's there's that, but then also, God, Nick Powell is. I'm not saying he's Jack Grealish because he isn't as good as Jack Grealish, but I do feel he's the type of footballer who has that sort of upward trajectory. And I know he's not as young either; he is like sort of our only prime age player. Um, but I do feel like if we got him 
into a first and foremost a team at the top of the championship playing week in week out then then he'll kick on even more and then if we went up with Nick Powell I feel he'd he'd bloody a few Premier League defenders noses and my god would it be fun to watch him do it yeah and that that or he's also exactly the kind of player who if crowds are in he is capable of being really frustrating as well at the same time and you know maybe having had that uh, license without perhaps anyone on his back he feels that you know that sense of freedom to to play the game at his own speed and granted he didn't have a great game today but he has put in some recent performances that you know remind us what a quality player he is and we, um, you know in the absence of Campbell in, in particular we've sorely needed anyone in that kind of more dynamic role to produce and uh, you know 12 12 goals uh you know he does he does speak to how shit we've been going forward for <laughs> for 12 years but uh yeah he's he's really terrific little player is a, a great yes one, so. um i think one final thing from me pete smith um <laughs> 12 hours ago and put forward the thing that uh, if Stoke were to have won today, it would have been the first time since 2016 that they'd won three games in a row. And that is a very sorry statistic, I do think. Like, jeez, what a... What good five years of podcasting, eh? What fun we've had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, a very rubbish stat. And a stat that you would hope, if we were to improve, that we would beat in the next season, at least. Hopefully. Oh, well, what do we want to talk about then next? Which which topic do you want to talk about? Let's do because because there's been two things that I've noted this last weekend on the internet arguments to be had. Uh, one about statistics and Joe Allen, and one about taxation. And I I don't know which one you want to spend the most more time speaking about. Right, I'll, I'll quickly uh, rattle through the Joe Allen one because that was that was my tweet that set off uh, set off that little bit of Twitter argument. Look, um, I posted the statistics for Joe Allen's record with him uh, with with him in the side and without him in the side this season, and there is a marked difference with Joe Allen in the side, and that is for the worse. So, um, I, I I can. I can troll through Twitter and find the exact numbers now, but it does it does not read well uh, for Joe Allen, and obviously this needs to be updated. Um, and I did expect today, once we lost without Joe Allen on the side, to be like, oh, I thought this was all Joe Allen's fault. And the point of the the tweet wasn't to say Joe Allen is a shit footballer. That was abs- you know, as 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 much as we have kind of criticised him and criticised him quite a lot. I don't think he's a shit footballer. I don't think every time we lose, it's down to Joe Allen playing. Nor do I think every time we win with him, it's, oh, it's because we didn't have Joe Allen that we won. That's an incredibly <laughs> reductive view on it. So, um, updating it. So, Stoke without Allen is now play 22, won 10, drawn 6, lost 6, points 36. So, 36 points from 22 games without Joe Allen. With Joe Allen this season... Played 18, won 4, drawn 7, lost 7, 19 points. So nearly double the amount of points without Joe Allen than with him in roughly the same amount of games. Now, of course, there are other factors. There's uh, Tyrese Campbell's injury coinciding with 
quite a lot of the games we lost, and there is um, the fact that Joe Allen himself has come back from injury at the, you know, quite a serious injury as well. So obviously that has to be factored in as well. That what that tweet does not say is Stoke are only going to win games without Joe Allen. And that <laughs> that tweet does not say this is all Joe Allen's fault. What it does say, I think is just some evidence to back up the point we've made for the last four years on this podcast, is that Joe Allen has not really offered Stoke genuine, tangible benefits. I we, I can see why fans like him. God knows I can see why fans like him. And God knows he has had some really, really good games for us. But for me, those games are too far in, in between. And I don't think that the attributes that everyone saw in Joe Allen when we signed him we have seen at anywhere near a consistent enough level for Joe Allen to be considered uh, a one of our best players and b worthy of a starting place every single game, which he has been pretty much uh, throughout his entire Stoke career when fit. I would not be sorry to see Joe Allen go, and that <laughs> and those statistics back up that view. That's all I'm going to say. Well, thank you for thank you for for clearing what that was all about, Dave. I very much appreciate it. I suppose then the other big topic, and I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm very reluctant to talk about the the argument that was on the internet over Bet Three Six Five. Dave rubbing his hands together, looking forward to this. I'm 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 very reluctant to talk about about it. We're talking about taxation. We're talking about the uh, report that came out the other day. Um, the, the basically stating that Bet365 um, as a company have moved uh, long and short of it, moved funds through other markets, meaning essentially they've not legally had to pay the the amount of tax that perhaps they would have if everything had gone through the UK. I believe in a roundabout way that so is So it's a, le- a legal loophole. A legal they, loophole? Yeah. They've not done they have, uh, the... So, to, make, to be clear, Bet365 have done nothing illegal but like other companies they have used legal tax loopholes to pay less tax than perhaps they would have done if you look under the microscope you can weigh up that they have paid less taxation um and again this is all according to the report because god knows i do not want them so (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah this is this is this is purely down to to um uh, the tax i can't remember what where it came from it was there. it was a, it was a website that specializes in literally looking at companies taxes that was the report that it came through on and then since then there's been uh, discussions in what newspaper was it the telegraph one of them talking about uh, denise coates herself and how her charitable donations that she's put away to the uh, denise coates foundation um kind of wrap up mount up to like a taxable write-off they've they the the it was quoted that she spent millions and millions in giving money to charity but the charity itself is her own charity and then that outlay of the charity like the, the charity has not spent that money um essentially is the thing this <laughs> caused a very fun internet debate because as you know the internet is a fun place full of nuanced discussion um and uh, the account S- uh, Stoke City Left Wing uh, brought this to the attention of the Twitterati, um, and the response has been mixed. Um, there is 
I will say there are quite a lot of people who have read the article and think that yeah, it's they've they've not done anything illegal, but uh, maybe they should pay more tax. A lot of people, however, have took it as a slight on the Coates family themselves, on Denise Coates, on uh, you know, this is it's it's unwrapped all kinds of uh, of political discussions. Uh, and I think Tom, you as a person who is interested in this topic, have um, had a lot of thoughts on it as well. <laughs> I'm right in thinking that. Like, what do you what do you make of it all? What do you make of it all? Have I did I sum that up correctly? Yeah. Um. The other the the, the thing I'd just add on just for a bit of clarity because I think the numbers with the charity foundation are quite important. Okay. So, so I've got the, so, sorry, Tom. I've just again for the benefit of us not being sued. Um. So this is a report uh, in the Times uh, from Friday the second of April. Uh, Bet three six five Boston East Coast charity sitting on donations worth millions. Which and it goes on to say, um, it has no website. But according to the charity commission, the Denise Coates, Denise Coates Foundation received eighty five million in donations up to March last year, but spent only nine point nine million. Yeah. So yeah. So um, basically, the, the charity foundation and I'm. Uh, don't worry, lads, you're not going to get sued for this. This is all very much declared in their accounts at, at, at companies' house, as, as all charities' companies have to do. And um, You'll often see when things reported around Denise Coates' wage say something like donated, I think this year it was like £85 million to, um, what's the word they use that isn't charity? I can't remember. Um, uh, like, uh, like non-profit? something like that the the the, the yeah, oldie yeah, yeah. words the not oldie but but yeah anyways um donates 85 million to to basically saying it seems like she's donating 85 million to charity now what it actually is is making an 85 million pound donation to the denise coates foundation which is a charitable organization who 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 donate money to to worthy causes and they do donate money and i'm sure they provide money to causes that without that money they wouldn't be able to survive so that isn't a bad thing, but it's more so focusing on the actual idea of it. So you hear this eighty-five million pound figure, and what that actually is is going into the foundation, which sits on a, I think it's accounts in December twenty nineteen, which is their most recent accounts, um, sits on about three hundred and fifty million pounds. Yet in that same year, gave out only ten million pounds in in donations. And again, it. It's hard when numbers are that big to say something like just ten million pounds because I'm sure that <laughs> helps thousands of people um, in, in the local community's lives. But I, I feel that that is a context that is lost when, especially when you discuss her wage and Bet Three Six Five themselves. Oh well, they give money to, to to charity. Oh well, they pay the tax that they're legally required to pay. So again, to touch on that point, the UK's corporation tax at the minute is twelve point five percent. That's the lowest it's been since the since like oh this is second world wars wrong but it's since like the 1960s it's never been that low it's at the lowest it has been for some time uh, it's one of the lowest in europe and that's why um this article talked about about 150 million pounds um had been um legally avoided by declaring earnings in different places so reducing their tax burden and yeah okay there is a a legalism argument to say well if it's legal it's fine um but that wasn't the point that was really being made the point that was being made was 150 million pounds to the taxpayer of the uk is a significant chunk of money and um it's something we should do 
Um, and yeah, the argument I really don't understand is, well, why aren't you going after Google? Why aren't you going after other major companies? Well, if Chevron owned us, if, if the Chevron oil company owned us, then maybe I would um, uh, discuss their, their role in funding the Myanmar military to help them with their military coup. Not directly. They funded them to build a pipeline across the entirety of Myanmar. Massive different issue. No, Bet365 at RMS um, and their name is plastered across our stadium and RMS is wrong because again they provide jobs to the local community and I am caveating all of this but ultimately it comes down to a pretty basic point billionaires aren't your friends and they never will be <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's controversial I think I think it's con- I, yeah go, go on Dave Dave sorry so again so this coincided with uh, a couple of days after it being reported that Denise Coates um the highest paid uh, woman in business in the country uh, earned a salary of £421 million in the year ending 29th of March. Uh, also earned £48 million in dividends, taking a total to £469 million. We're talking about a f- unbelievable amount of money. Just like, again, we're talking about numbers too big to comprehend. And I think Tom kind of made the point quite articulately there that, yes, splitting hairs over x million you know it's it's not splitting hairs when there is so much more good that could be done um i was go- i was gonna kind of play devil's advocate with you tom and, and talk about the um the what about the jobs in the local area that bet three three six five created which it, which has been i think of the legitimate responses that that stokes left wing response had that weren't just quite just reductive uh, abuse um, of those legitimate responses the one I had the most sympathy for uh, was the argument that Bet365 are a huge employer in the local area I think they're the biggest private sector uh, employer in the local area behind possibly behind Bentley but um, certainly less than the NHS and the council um, so that's the kind of thing i had the most sympathy for and i know we're running out of time so what would you kind of say to to that then that yes there's arguments to be made that they should be she should be paying more in tax but look at what bet 365 do for the local area uh yeah so uh, on that i think we had a brief discussion about this so it's about three thousand five hundred jobs in the local area and i think it's reported as like over 5,000. So we can presume it's somewhere near 5,000 total Bet365 employees. Let's just call it 5,000 because this makes this maths much easier. If the employees are 5,000, Denise Coates could get every single one of those employees an £80,000 rise in the year and still take away £60 million in her own paycheck. I feel you have to do these things. Or the, the other one that I tried to use was our average attendance last season was like 25,000 in the season when we had a full season of fans. Um, And you could give every single one of those fans a living wage, which works out about £18,000, and Denise Coates could still have three million quid take-home pay. This is how massive those figures are. These these figures are life-changing. And and the argument isn't that, that, that having a company and making money for a company is bad. It's just... And the original argument was, well, you've avoided legally... 150 million pounds of tax maybe just don't do that if you want to be this charitable helping foundation yeah okay you have those legal avenues available to you and i'm not i mean they should be illegal that's my 
personal opinion. It's not the opinion of any group, any organisation. That's my opinion. Um, but just pay your tax. And then it, it, it's hard to stick with just that when you have figures that are half a billion pounds is like the budget of a like local authority like that that is <laughs> that is an insane amount of money <laughs> it is i think i think the thing i think the thing for me and this is again this is not representative of this is this is my own personal opinion but i i think cuz cuz quite o- quite often as we're seeing in this discussion and the responses that that happen online you you get people like saying what business is it of anyone else's to criticize how much she's earning she's rightly earned that money she has um it's it's the politics of envy all the all this type of all this type of argument that you you do see quite often when when this type of money-based discussion comes up but i think for me it comes down to a fundamental thing of like you (laughs) You cannot deny, you cannot walk around the, the city and not see the vast levels of, like, uh, there are some areas that are extremely deprived. For God's sake, we raised how much money for a food bank this last Christmas? Like, you can, the fact that it's needed, these things are, these things exist, is is showing that we need more, more investment, more, just more and I'm not saying you just throw money, throw money at it. You need more in the way of services provided. Again, my this is my opinion. And so the fact that the these people make so much money and that it could be quite easily solved by by taxation is is a thing. Um, the uh, what's it? Um, R- R- Rutger Bergman, the the uh, economist. Um he put it as simple it's it's taxes it's taxes you do you do not need to rely on charity if you just tax properly if you shut tax loopholes if you if you tax people properly then the need for charitable foundations as great and as brilliant as they are you don't need them if you just tax properly and i think that yeah, people people got really mad because Denise Coates is a local person, and you can see the the positive effects that they've had around the city, but mainly the club. Look at the football club and see what Dave. You've made the point. Bet three six five, or was it Tom? I can't remember who said Bet three six five is plastered everywhere. But you cannot deny that their money has kept this club afloat. Fine. So so yes, you can see that they're a local positive example, but. Yeah, they're still so very, very rich. Dave, go on. Yeah, so again, I appreciate we're we're running short on time and I could happily talk about this for an hour. But um, I think the the thing is, like what people listening to us may start to think now is why are three people, (laughs) I think all of us live outside the local area, why are three younger fans talking about this on what is, is um you know, in name only, a football podcast. Well, I think this is this is the thing, and I think this is why it's perhaps animated so so many people is because of this kind of uh, idea that you should keep football and politics separate. First of all, forget that idea at all. Football has always been political. Sport has always been political. Uh, but look, you know, even notwithstanding this whole issue, you've got things like James McLean. You've got the fact that Stoke City have a military match day. You've got the fact that the Coates family themselves are. Uh, again, sort of registered or declared Labour voters or Labour members or whatever you want to call that. So 
there is there is an intrinsic connection between sport and politics. That's the first thing. The second thing is why we're talking about this on a Stoke City podcast is it's not just to take cheap shots at a billionaire, as fun as that is. Um, it's and it's not, and it's not just and it's not to tell people who disagree with us that they're that they're just uh, wrong, as fun as that mm. is. Um, why would why I particularly feel like we should be speaking about this, and why I'd like more time to speak about this is because we are part of a football club as fans it's such such a different a different thing to being a consumer of amazon products of apple products of google products you feel a connection with your football club as a fan that you do not feel as a consumer of all those other you know brands if you like and so it's on us as fans to question and to think about where our money comes from and where our club's money comes from and what the role of our football club should be it, is it a community asset? Is it the plaything of a billionaire? And we haven't even got time to touch on the fact that all this money, as we've mentioned before on the podcast, is coming from gambling, which is a pernicious mm. industry. But again, we don't have time. Um, but that's why we're talking about it. It's because it's our club and we give a shit. That's why. Mm. You know what? I would I would love to talk more about it. And actually, if, if people were up for it and people were cared about it, um, I would happily do a little just discussion podcast about it. So if that is you, let us know. Uh, we will happily discuss it. And if, if you disagree, that's also meant. Let us know. You can come on and have a chat with us. More than happy to, to air this out, uh, not on Twitter. Because, yeah. Right. Counting down. We've got to go. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Tom. The Zoom count is <laughs> running you. out. Bye. Oh, <laughs> thank you for listening. We hope you have a lovely week. Stay safe. Go on, Stoke. Oh.